You are listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder-led ministry of Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and knowledge of God's people. I'm Pastor Jason Rowland. I'm joined in this podcast by one of our elders, Philip Castleton, and we appreciate you taking the time to listen, whoever you may be and wherever you may be. May the Lord bless this podcast to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth. Philip, the question that is before us is a question I think that is commonly misunderstood in our culture, or at least it is understood in one particular way. The question is, what does it mean to take God's name in vain? What does it mean to take God's name in vain? And many would respond with the very um, common answer, well, that means don't cuss. Now, we're going to talk about that more, but that's the common way I think that people would understand this. So let's look at just a moment to get this discussion started from Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 1, God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Ye shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I am the Lord your God, and I am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So immediately we see I think the foundational statement in understanding this particular text, because this is the um, giving of the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. This is God saying, I've rescued you Israelites out of Egypt, and I have done this for you, and now here's what I'm demanding. And the foundational statement, I believe, for understanding what it means to take God's name in vain is found in verse 5, where God says that he is a jealous God. Mm -hmm. He is jealous for his name. He is jealous for his glory. He is saying that he is so jealous for his own name and his own glory that you should not bow down to images. You should not serve images. You should not love images, obey images, And hate me, I am jealous for your bowing down, I am jealous for your serving, for your loving, for your obeying, because of who I am. You're mine, I'm your God, I deserve the worship, the obedience, the bowing down, I'm your liberator, I am your maker, I'm your king, I'm your treasure, I'm your life, the affections of your heart belong to me. So don't give them to idols. Don't commit spiritual adultery, suicide, if you will. Let my jealousy for your love hold on to you is kind of the idea. So this idea then that God has a name and a glory that he's jealous for, 
I think from the context helps us to understand and fill in the blank why God would say, then don't take my name in vain. And as I said at the beginning, we typically think of this as a at, at most a cussing, using God's name in vain, where I'm cussing because I'm angry, I'm frustrated, or I'm uh, bitter or hateful towards someone, and I'm going to cuss them out. Mm-hmm. And we think, oh, I can't do that because that is taking God's name in vain. God's going to hold me accountable. And yes, he is going to hold you accountable. But I think there's much more to it than just cussing. Well, it, there certainly is. First of all, um, all of uh, many of the commands are written in a negative, right? Thou shalt not. Mm-hmm. There's an implication in that that thou shalt do just the opposite. So in, in the case of, of, of commandment number three, um, it expressly prohibits really the misuse, the vain use, the futile and thoughtless use of his name, right? But it demands of us the opposite. It, it requires of us reverence, honor, trust in right. the name of the Lord. Right. So it's not enough. Um, I, there are, so, so the scope of what it means to violate God is more than just the articulation of God's name in a futile or vain way, right? Mm-hmm. To, to invoke God into our displeasure or our disgust, which is what we often do when we stub our toe and we, you know, say something, uh, we invoke God mm-hmm. in, in our pain or disgust. Uh, that is a way in which we've, with vanity or with thoughtlessness or with uselessness, used his name. But it goes so broader than that because what the scripture actually demands of us is to revere him, to honor him, to trust and hold him faithful, to understand him for who he is. His name uh, encompasses... Uh, you know, as you were saying, his attributes, everything that he is. Because his name is holy because he is holy. Yeah. You can't separate the name from the being. Well, yeah. In fact, Exodus 34 um, says as much. And, and let me read a little of this. At verse 5, um, it says, The Lord descended in the cloud, and he stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. This is God saying, here's my name. Verse 6, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, uh, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation, and Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. Okay, so we have this picture of God coming to Moses and saying, I'm going to tell you my name. And then he says, Yahweh, Yahweh. And then he describes himself. In essence, faithful is my name. Gracious, merciful that's my name. Slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. That's my name, right? Keeping steadfast love for thousands. That's my name. Unwilling to, to let the guilty live in their sin. That's my name, right? Right. Exercising justice and wrath. That's my name. My attributes are me. You can't separate me from them, right? right. 
And so when we think about this, when we think about what it means to violate God, it's not just taking um, some letters that form a word which we associate with this being and we use it in, in some way other than to uh, rightly express who he is. When we violate the name of God, we do it not only through a misuse of, of the, those letters that, that form his, uh, the English way that we understand his, word, his name, but it also it, it extends itself when we violate the character or the purpose or uh, the being of God. Right. That Yahweh, Yahweh that's in that text that you just read is God's covenant name that he introduces himself to Moses in it's Exodus chapter the 3. I am. Right. He says, I am, I am God, merciful, gracious, right. slow to anger. That's really what he says, right? Because right? when the covenant name, he said, who, who should I say sent me? He said, tell him, Yahweh, I am sent you. Right. So it is a very serious thing. In fact, when I just read in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, the command, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, then this then this becomes a warning for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So there, the command is the first part of that verse. This is verse 7 of Exodus 20. And the warning is given in the last part of that verse. So it's serious. So let's think then, Philip, how do we expand our understanding if it's not just cussing as we would commonly call it? Then, then how do we expand? What is God saying to us through his word that helps us to understand this to a greater depth? Because he warns us it's a very serious thing. It is. It is. In fact, again, he does the same thing again. And I won't read the whole text, but in Moses, when Moses asked to see his glory, he says the same thing. He says, um, I'm going to let my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim before you my name. And again, he says, Yahweh, or I am, I am gracious to whom I'll be gracious and merciful to whom I'll be merciful. Again, he's saying, I am the sovereign one, right? right. That's who I am, Moses, right? So how, how is it that we violate him? Well, let's, uh, let's remember that he is jealous for his glory and his name. Right. And, and, and that's actually for our benefit. Oh, yes. Imagine if, um, <coughs> if, if it's true, right? That there is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. Right. If there is no other righteousness uh, that is possible to meet the satisfaction of God against me. Right. Right. If there's no other, then it even it is a gracious thing that he makes much of himself. Yes. Because imagine if the the, the highest thing in 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 existence. Right. Um made much of something other than himself, us created in his image would then be tempted to make much of that same thing. Right. And we would miss out on the glory of God and the redemption that's found in him alone. Right. So it's a good thing that he makes much of himself, even for us. Right. So how do we expand this? How do, how do we expand our understanding beyond just cussing? Well, in the context of cussing, first of all, I don't think it just applies. Um, and I think it does apply there to the misuse of his name, the vain use, uh, thoughtless use of his name. I think, but it applies even more than when we actually say the words. I think sometimes we shorten, we say G's or OMG and those kind of things. And we in, in, invoke the name of God um, into our, um, our 
disgust or our um, complaint. complaint. Yeah, complaint. Um, Disappointment, whatever yeah, it is. Right. And, um, and actually, I think that um, is even carried over um, sometimes when um, we see that the Israelites, for example, uh, complained. Um, in the wilderness, when they loathed that worthless bread, right? Right. They hated the manna, and they groaned and complained. And if you want to know how serious that was, God sent serpents, right? Right. He answered their complaints with serpents, and um, and He reminded them that there was only one place to go, and that was to the Jesus, to the name, to the provision that God has provided. Look to the serpent and be healed. Don't look to the serpent and die, right? right? He, um, but there's a way in which they profaned the name of the Lord by groaning against him mm-hmm. as if he didn't know how to provide for his people. Right. Right. But, but there's many, many others. Let's, let's uh, 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 take a few into consideration uh, besides the, the, the cursing. Um, how about worship? When we offer worship, our singing, our prayer, our time with God, our preaching, whatever the case may be, in a half-hearted affair. Mm. Um, Leviticus 10, 1 through 3, Nadab and Abihu, they offered false worship. Um, they offered an unauthorized offering to God, and the Lord consumed them, right? Verse 3 says, um, Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has said, among those who are near me, I will be sanctified, and before all the people, I will be glorified. God won't be profaned if you will, with superficial worship. He will be sanctified. He will be glorified. So when we come and offer up worship, half-hearted worship, we profane the name of the Lord. Think about the preacher who stands up, and he stands up um, and, and proclaims, even if it's uh, the, the statement he gives are true, but he does it to seek his own vain glory. Or the person who gets up and sings a special on Sunday morning, hoping that um, with the, with the sole intent that they'll get a lot of compliments afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. Those are people who exploit the name of God for their own benefit. They profane the name of the Lord. So to take God's name in vain in that context that you're talking about, the context of worship, is then to vain means worthless, pointless, uh, empty. With futility. Right. Yeah. So then it is um, futile to do it heartlessly or to do it with impure motive or to do it in a way in which I'm trying to gratify self in some way. It is empty. It, it, it has no, it's pointless to do it. Yeah. And actually, I think it carries on further. I think sometimes um, we would argue that what we're offering is not pointless because it still satisfies my flesh. But what about the person who just stands there with no intent one way or the other and just lets their mouth move? Mm-hmm. We sing on Sunday morning and we stand up and we sing with everybody else, but with no attention to what's being said and with no... Um, Affection of uh, the heart. Yes. What is that? But futility mm-hmm. and vanity. Right. As we proclaim the name of the Lord. Isaiah 29, 13 speaks of a people who profess one thing with their lips, and yet their hearts are not involved. Right? Um, we, when, when our words are sourced from habit or expectation or routine, they're futile, they're empty, and they misuse God's holy name. In Malachi 1, 10 uh, through 14, um, it says this. 
Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. In essence, if, if, if vanity is all you have to offer, why don't you just shut the doors? Right. Why don't you just shut the doors? There's no point in even having the service if what you're going to offer is only for you. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. And this is what he says, for from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering for my name will be great among the nations. For the Lord says, uh, uh, says the Lord of hosts, but you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and, and its fruit, that is, its food may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it. When you come in and you go, man, you know, I'm at church again, but this is wearing me out. Mm -hmm. This is useless. I mean, why do I even come? Mm -hmm. He says, you profane God's name with that attitude. What a weariness is. You snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame and is sick. Then you bring it as an offering. Shall I accept that from your hands, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has, made, uh, who has a male in his flock and vows it and sacrifice to the Lord is blemished. For I am the great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. Here we get this picture of these people who not only disdain the worship of the Lord, but they're offering up a half-hearted um, impure sacrifice. And God says, it's not accepted. You might as well just close the doors and not show up because my name is great. And when you offer sacrifice to me, it will be right. So a half-hearted sacrifice, from our perspective, we're not killing animals. But we show up and we sing and we pray and we praise and we listen to the sermons. And, the, and, and half the time, if the sermon goes too long, we think to ourselves, man, I sure wish this was over. I'm ready to get to lunch. Mm -hmm. We profane the name of the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't like that song. It doesn't suit me. Not any real argumentation against its doctrinal, uh, you know, um, uh, content. Yeah, yeah, or benefit. No, 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 no. I just don't like that style. You profane the name of the Lord. Mm. Why don't you stand there with a pure heart and pure motive and sing to him? Because anything else won't be accepted. Right. I mean, isn't that amazing? That, that goes way beyond cussing, doesn't it? Oh, yes. Another way is through lying. Um, Leviticus nineteen twelve. Um, you shall not swear by name, my name falsely, and therefore profane the name of your God. Um, we talked about this in in a previous podcast. What it means to be give a yes, let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Right. Right. We're marked by God, and therefore His fingerprints are on everything, and so. And that includes me, it includes everything I might want to swear by mm -hmm. to make my, my speech seem more legitimate. But the fact is, is my, when I lie, when I do something other than tell the truth, I profane the name of God. Right. Um, how about this? When we met, misrepresent God or who he said he is with vanity. Mm -hmm. In Jeremiah 23, uh, Verse 24, he says, can a man hide himself in secret places that I, that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said, who prophesy lies in my name. And they have said, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall there be lies in the hearts of the prophets who prophesy lies? 
and, and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart, who think to make my people forget my name by their dreams that they tell one another, even as their fathers forgot my name for Baal. Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let him who has my words speak my words faithfully. He's saying, you think that you aren't heard, Mr. Prophet, when you stand up and say, God said this and I didn't say it? Hmm. You're not escaping. Mm-hmm. I've heard you. You have a, If you think you have a prophecy, stand up. But you better be clear. If you say that I said it, it better be my words. Right. When we attribute to God something he has not said, we profane the name of the Lord. And, 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 and in contrast to that, when we refuse the whole counsel of God, because we think parts of it might be offensive to our culture, we profane the name of the Lord. Right. Or offensive to our own nature, our thought, our, our, our own understanding of God. Yeah, when we, when we uh, display God through a preferred theology rather than the disclosure of his word, the way that he has actually exposed himself in his word. He says, this is who I am, and, and we go... Yeah, I don't like that very much. So I'm going to represent a God to everybody else who looks more like me or more like what I think God ought to look like. Right. Right. This own creation, this own thing that I have made up, we profane the name of the Lord. Right. Um, When, like I said, we've said this earlier to some extent, but when we exploit people for money or fame, right, Mm -hmm. all the false teachers on television, Mm -hmm. you know, who are who seek shameful gain, dishonest gain? Uh, they they seek they think that godliness is a means of gain. They're profaning the name of the Lord, um, and and um, even when we claim the name of Christ and we live a life that isn't consistent with that claim, right? We profane the name of the Lord, and, and this is really set forth for us in Scripture. In Ezekiel thirty six, it says this. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, when the house of Israel lived in their own land, they defiled it by the ways and their deeds. Their ways before me were like the uncleanness of a woman and her menstrual impurity. So I poured out my wrath upon them for the blood that they had shed in the land, for the idols with which they had defiled it. I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed throughout the countries in accordance with their ways and their deeds. I judged them. But when they came to the nations, wherever they came, they profaned my holy name. In that, here's how they did it. People said of them, these are the people of the Lord? And yet they had to go out of the land? In essence, these are God's people, and yet they're so disobedient that God judged them? That's who God's people are? They don't look like God very much, do they? They profane the name of the Lord. Hmm. It says this, I had concern for my holy name, to which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they came. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake... O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you profaned among the nations to which you came, and I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which you have profaned. And then he goes on to tell us about the new covenant and the work that he's going to do in us, in, in his people, in Israel there, but in, in, a, in a broader context, in us. He says, I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the countries, bring you to your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you. You shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. Look at it. He said in there, I'm going to take every false thing that you hold dear away. Mm-hmm. 
I'm going to cleanse you from all your idols. I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and remove your heart of stone from your flesh. He, he's going to take all the, the unnatural and ungodly affections that control you now. I will take them away. And, and it sounds like he's doing us such a wonderful favor, and he is, in that he, he doesn't have to act upon us in, in wrath. But what does he say? He said he does this all for the sake of his holy name. Right. So when we, when we claim Christ, and this is one of the things that is so offensive to this carnal Christianity doctrine, right? That a person can ask Jesus into their heart mm-hmm. and then live a life, a profligate, um, unrepentant, un, untransformed life. Inconsistent and, with scripture. Yeah, and we preach them right into heaven. That's right. a profaning of the name of the Lord. Yes. He says, no, it, when your life isn't consistent with um, a transformation, right? right? Uh, that, uh, that that you are actually claiming something about me that is untrue and you're profaning my right. name. So your your transformation is in your thinking, it's in your acting, it's in your speech. And if it's not evidenced that it is been that it has been transformed, then you find yourself in a a crowd that might hear Christ say, I never knew you. I never knew you. That's exactly right. Here's another way. In first John and, and this is this is really a, a, a strong statement because if you think of its implications, here's what it says in 1 John 5.10. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. So here's what that text says. Those who refuse to believe that Jesus Christ is the only eternal son of God, right? Have called the father a liar. That's what it says. Mm -hmm. Meaning that every unbeliever is in a constant state of profaning the name Mm -hmm. of God. Every unbeliever, Mm -hmm. every breath he takes, he denies the testimony of God that his son is the eternal son of God and the only name by which we must be saved. And so every breath is a violation of the third commandment for the unbeliever as he profanes the name of God, calling him a liar. That fits right in with um, Psalm 5.5 and Psalm 7.11. He is um, angry with the wicked every day. Yeah. He, he abhors the bloodthirsty and, and, and unrighteous man, I think, is what one of them says. As right, well. right. Yes, it does. We, um, when we speak against the Lord's providence, right, his blessing, mm-hmm. when we complain and murmur, like I said earlier about, mm-hmm. the, about the, uh, the, the, the Israelites in the wilderness, we, uh, we, we profane God's name as if he doesn't know how to take care of his creation. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do I have that he hasn't given me anyway? Right. And when I moan and complain and think that I deserve more, I, I'm, I'm ultimately saying, God, you're not good enough. You don't know me well enough. You can't provide for me well enough. Right. Here's a couple more, and, and, and then I'll, I'll shut up and, and let you comment. But in 1 Timothy 1, or 6, 1, um, uh, to disregard your master, if you're a slave or if, you're a, uh, if you work, and you disregard the commands of your boss. The Bible says, let all who are under a yoke of, uh, as a bondservant regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Mm-hmm. So when we disregard those who are in, in um, who have authority over us, 
and there are exceptions to all of these things, but um, we, uh, on a normal basis, we, we're, we're profaning and reviling the name of God. Right. And um, uh, to turn aside, to, to afflict the poor, Amos 2, 7, mm -hmm. is to profane the name of the Lord. And we'll close with this one. Believe it or not, um, Leviticus eighteen twenty one: you shall not offer your children to Molech and thus profane the name of the Lord. Mm. To have a disregard for human life. Abortion mm -hmm. is the profaning of God's name. It is to say, life is not important. The image of God is not important, right? Right. It is to say that the attributes of God, who is faithful and true, who gives life to all, physical and spiritual life, he is the only source of life. He's the only source of light, as John uh, 1 through 5 would say, right? Right. Um, this uh, is to profane God's holy name. Right. So let's come full circle then, Philip, um, back to the beginning. Because through that list that you have talked through and that we've um, interacted with, it, it is immediately recognizable that we don't take a breath hardly without taking God's name in vain. Yeah. This is why in Colossians, Paul says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name, name of the Lord of, Jesus yeah. Christ, giving uh, thanks to God the Father through, through him, through Christ. Right. So then that, number one, drives us to recognize the goodness of God's grace because we are taking God's name in vain, either intentionally or in ignorance, as I said, just about with every breath we're taking, if we're not carefully thinking through this. So that God is compassionate, that God shows love to thousands. Um, we read some of those texts in Exodus 20 and Exodus 34 and Exodus 33, that he has mercy and he is compassionate. And it is good that he is. Yeah. Because he does not uh, in any way deserve, if that's a good way to put it, to have his name taken in vain. And, but we nevertheless do it uh, carelessly or foolishly or uh, on purpose. So then we um, first are driven to the great mercy of God toward us, that we can do it. Um, and that's not, an, I'm not saying that we excuse ourselves uh, to, to intentionally take God's name in vain. I'm just saying that as we go through our daily routines and schedules of life, um, with my attitudes, with my actions, when I am speaking, then if I'm not carefully led by the Spirit, then I'm going to be considering myself taking God's name in vain. Well, you know one thing that it does, and I was it just as you were talking, made me think that um, it removes the the possibility of us compartmentalizing our lives the way we do, right? Well, I've got this part of me, I've got my work part of my life and my home part of my life and my church part of my life, right? Mm. And when I'm at church, I, I honor God and I, I try to live that way and then I've got this part. But if, if, if every action is a potentially violating the name and, and, and profaning the name of God, if every action, it, it completely obliterates this compartmentalization that we try to do. Mm. It means that every breath of my life is meant to be lived for the glory and the exaltation of his name, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So there is no part or 
a parcel of my life that doesn't belong to him. Right. And that he doesn't hold me responsible for. Mm-hmm. And that isn't meant to be worshipful. Right. So then we're, we're driven to um, thankfulness for God's mercy and grace. And then secondly, I think we're driven to um, just being mindful, thinking carefully about what we're saying, um, how we're acting, yeah. um, what we're um, show, how we're showing our uh, disgust or disappointment or frustration, uh, thinking carefully about these things before we... Uh, carelessly, foolishly say something or um, even uh, react in a way that would take God's name in vain. Yeah, well, we can't compartmentalize our lives or, or, or categorize our lives in such a way that we have um, the holy and the secular. Right. There is no secular. Right. 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 So we, if we recognize this, then um, as long as we have the secular, we will constantly profane the name of the Lord. As long as we, As soon as we recognize that there is no secular for the believer that it's all holy, uh, every aspect of our life, then um, and every aspect is, a, is, is a, a part of our, our worship. Uh, worship is, is, uh, is really a, a descriptive word for our life. Right. And not just a section of our life. Right. Then it, it, it changes perspective a lot, doesn't yes, it? Yes, yes, it does. Well, we'll close with a, a story. Years ago, another town, another church, um, there was a man, his wife came to the church regularly. I loved her, and she was very gracious, very kind. But this man uh, had lived his whole life um, cussing, cursing, literally every other word. Mm-hmm. Um, he could not say a sentence without using God's name in vain in that context. Mm-hmm. And um, often I would go and talk with him, visit him, trying to... Um, to present the gospel. And um, one time he, he talked to me about his language. And um, I said, Charlie, um, by using that language, um, you have proven to me that you're dumb. You're dumb because you can't use the English language. You can't articulate and explain and talk and discuss without throwing in a word or two or three that takes God's name in vain. You're just, you're dumb for doing that. Mm -hmm. And you know, um, even though that wasn't the best answer, um, it changed him. He he began from that point on to begin to think um, how he was speaking. And in, in fact, after that, he, he started coming to church, not on a regular basis, but he did come. Yeah. Um, and I, I say all that to say when we are to bring it down to the minimum of just cussing, um, at the very least, um, we are proving that we're just not very smart people. Yeah, we're, we're not very smart in two two ways. Yeah. Number one, we are profaning God, mm-hmm. and number two, in that we're trying to discuss and talk by filling in gaps that we don't need to do. Right. right. So, anyway, I pray that as we've talked about these things, it has been something that you could think about, something that um, you could give. 
careful attention to how you live, how you speak, how you worship, what your motives are. And may God bless this podcast to uh, your spiritual benefit. And may uh, the Lord use this to, to change you, even as it changed that friend that I just spoke about years ago. 